What's up, NBA fans? About halfway through the first round of the 2021 NBA playoffs, the Lakers just might have had their spirits completely broken by the Suns. The tides have changed a little bit with Joel Embiid going down with a small meniscus tears. The New York Knicks are out. The Boston Celtics are out. The Clippers just lost to Dallas, but they're still hanging on for a game six. We'll review all these series and more here on the Second Stringers NBA podcast. But for us two, both Southern California natives, Sean, it's looking very dim right now for both L.A. teams. Are we going to see an L.A. team in the second round at this point? <laughs> it's it's looking rough, man. It's looking really rough. I mean, I didn't think even last week. when we were, I mean, I guess last week it kind of looked really bleak for the Clippers. The Lakers were looking yeah. all right. Um, but yeah, we're we're both one game away from elimination, and that that's pretty terrifying. I mean, that's not something we expected from either of these LA teams. Both came in as pretty heavy favorites to to make it to at least the Western Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, obviously the Lakers with injuries to key guys, and the Clippers just unable to win at Staples Center. It's it's not looking very good, but I'm not ruling either of them out yet. I, I'm I think both teams just have the talent and ability to you gotta believe in them until that final buzzer sounds and they've actually lost a series. Yeah, um, and, and and the game today with the Clippers was reminiscent of that because they they fought to the very end. It just it one one shot goes one way and it, it changes everything. Yeah, and that shot. That one that sticks to mind right now is Terrence Mann passing up that mm-hmm. layup that we were just Terrence, talking about. Come on, man. Just go up strong. You knew it was in his head. Yeah. He wasn't ready for the moment. Oh, it, it hurt to see. He made that great defensive play mm-hmm. on the other end. And then, oh, man, he, he had the open lane. Luca was not going to stop him from getting that layup. He just he had a good angle and just... I, I don't know. I think he just he second guessed himself. That's all, that's all what it looked like, and that that really changed the whole tide of it, and it, it hurt. Yeah, that was not that was a big. Terrence Mann's gonna look back on that in film and really beat himself up because a couple plays before that, Dallas gave up the three point play to Kawhi. So I think the last yeah. thing Luca wanted was to give that up, and I think he was willing to give him that open layup, you know, and just <laughs> and just let the Clippers have that one point lead. Rather than the yeah, two point lead, he's not lead. that great of a defender, mm-hmm. right? Like he's not gonna go and block you on that. No, and t- yeah, Terrence Mann, uh, yeah, he's young. He's young. I mean, it happens. It's a rookie. It's a rookie mistake. Yeah. So we'll 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 talk more about that series. We'll talk about Damian's heroics in terms of like the heroic performance he put together. Although it still ended up with a loss, but. No, but Portland and Nuggets are still going at it. It seems like the only easy going series so far has been the Bucks and the Utah Jazz. The 76ers also having to fight back against the Wizards after losing Embiid. So a lot of surprising stuff happening and a lot of tide turning uh, for some teams here because as a result of injuries. But before jumping into all that, we got to talk about the fans. The fans have been a story. The fans are back in the stadiums. <laughs> Uh, the, for the good, of course, the energy is back. We all love it. We, you know, Madison Square Garden was on fire. Staples Center's not quite at that level yet. But for some of the stadiums that do, that are packed houses, there is a lot going around about the conduct that the fans have with the players. And I mean, it's not any worse, I think, than any other year. But I think really more than anything, I think since we've had that pause, 
I think these things are standing out and I think it's for good reasons. I'm definitely on the boat of the players like to to handle the disrespect from fans as if there's some kind of circus circus animal is mm-hmm. is too much and we should not have to ask any human being to have to endure that regardless of how expensive our ticket price was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, there's there's a lot of entitlement there for sure. Especially, like, I paid money for this ticket, and I'm, and then it's also just all this pent up energy from not being able to go out mm-hmm. and go to games and stuff. And none of that excuses the conduct that these fans like. Obviously, it's just a few individuals, but there has been all these incidents happening over the course of one week, and you you hear about these incidents happening like every so often. When it's just a regular kind of, you know, it's a regular year and there's no pandemic. It's like this happens sometimes, but this has happened in multiple instances in multiple arenas. And obviously it's because fans are excited and they want want to root and just throw shade at the players and just be a part of the experience. But these people just they don't understand like how to just be human beings and like enjoy a game without doing something completely idiotic and belittling other people. It's, it's really shameful as yeah. a, as a human race, honestly. I mean, you have the three jazz fans that they banned for life for those racist comments directed towards John Moran's dad at the Utah games. A uh, really good sentiment there. Um, Ryan Smith, the owner of the jazz has given um, his dad, he, they gave them free tickets to game five um, for him and his family and a, full accommodations and everything. Um, so that was really cool for them to do that and to reach out to him and, and show the better side of humanity, I guess you could say. And then, um, but there's a lot of other instances too, like the fan arrested for throwing the bottle at Kyrie's head. Um, the fan banned for throwing popcorn at Russell Westbrook. And the, this is more of a funny one. The fan that was tackled and arrested for running onto the court during the Sixers Wizards game um, in Washington, D.C. Um, that guy kind of <laughs> that tackle by the security card was pretty awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, and the fan didn't even try to interact with any of the players or anything. The ball is on the other side of the court. He just wanted to run out there. I don't think he had any other plan or intentions. He just wanted to be on the court. And then he kind of accepted his fate when the security guard game, he just let himself get tackled and arrested. And uh, that was a little more lighthearted. But the overall message here is that, like, just chill out, everybody. Yeah. Like, what What the hell are you thinking? Just be a respectful human and enjoy the fact that you get to go to an NBA game again. This isn't – you don't have to do this to enjoy an, an NBA game. Right, exactly. And the the spectrum of things that you can do all in good fun and competitive fun and high intensity is pretty big before you get to a point where you have to, you know, proactively, consciously try to hurt a player, like throwing a throwing something at him. Why do you have to throw something at him? You can yell. Yeah. You mean you can definitely root against them. But again, yeah. I feel like there are so many things you can you can do that are within the spectrum of acceptable before you get to a point where you're, you have, you feel like you have to throw something or, or direct racial comments at the players. Like, come on. It just, yeah. if you wouldn't do it on the street to a normal person, don't do it to a player in in the stadium. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> like when uh, they did the TNT halftime show, Charles Barkley was commentating on it. He was like, you know, if they, if they want to throw stuff at the athletes, fine. Like, as long as they're willing to agree to a cage match with whatever player they throw it at at the end of the night, then we just all look away and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Sure. Why not? 
But yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. Like you'd never go up to a six foot five dude or bigger and throw something at them <laughs> on the street. Like how idiotic is that? Like so why would you do it here? It's it's just pathetic. And yeah, they are treating them like circus animals, like you said. It's like no, this is not circus animals. Like you wouldn't do this any uh, like sporting events are like the only place where you see this kind of stuff. Like you don't see this at any other type of like entertainment venue. Like you don't see people throwing stuff at people. It's it's just it's such a weird standard. <laughs> yeah, I mean even even re- outside of the point of these guys clearly being physically bigger and fitter than the average person, <laughs> you just wouldn't throw popcorn at an average person when you're just walking by them on yeah. the street or throwing a bottle at them or just out of nowhere calling them these very intense racial offensive remarks. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it just, it's, I think it's common sense. I'm not really sure what the room for debate is here. Or if there's anybody really, I guess. Oh, there's no debate. Yeah. <laughs> these fans are idiots. Yeah. And I, um, but yeah. I was just going to say, and I'm glad it's coming further and further to light because I mean, this has been around. I think feel like this type of stuff has been around for forever. Um, so now that it's being, you know, talked about more, I think it's, it's actually good. And and I look forward to see what the NBA does and works with the owners to kind of clean this up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think it's good because I mean, we saw Shams tweet out earlier this week that the NBA is going to have new measures to combat the, the amount of misconduct that's happening, including a, a code of conduct announcement three times a game. Um, and enhance security measures across all arenas. So whether that helps or not, we'll see. But I, I hope it does. It's just, I mean, you just got to stop these few people that are ruining it for the rest of us. Yeah, pr- just protect the players, man. Protect the players. Yeah. Um, moving away from that, Danny Ainge stepping down as president of basketball operations and having Brad Stevens replace him. This is this is surprising, but not surprising at the same time. I'll say it's surprising because I didn't think Danny Ainge would actually step down on his own accord. Mm. Not surprising because I felt that this has been a long time coming. <laughs> I have not been a huge fan of Danny Ainge. Um, I mean, he's done some great <laughs> things for this franchise. I think he has a good resume and track record, but he's also made some really uh, move. He's made some moves that are questionable, some lack of moves that were questionable and, I think ultimately, and I have one of these as as a bullet point here, is that maybe it was his best moves that actually ended up driving his downfall among the league. Hmm. I mean, the rumors were that he was not very well liked um, or many people were hesitant to make deals with him. And I mean, his his best deals, in my mind, is somehow getting swapping Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving (laughs) and injured Isaiah Thomas, who has never mm-hmm. come close in in the last, you know, I think four years now since this trade yeah, went it's down. Been like four years, yeah. Kyrie Irving's obviously Kyrie Irving. And the other one is swapping what was the number one pick, which could have easily been Markel Foles for Jason Tatum. Like that was also mm-hmm. brilliant move, but also a, maybe a, a snake maneuver that some, some could see. Um, <laughs> and then obviously like somehow managing the Nets to take Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce for a plethora of picks. Uh, I mean, these guys really only gave the Nets two good years, two solid years of basketball before ultimately um, seeing the effects of father time. 
I mean, these moves were crazy beneficial for the side of the Celtics and somehow like there's no way you can keep getting away with things like that, I, I'd have to think. <laughs> <laughs> so you think he was so good at his job that other GMs just wouldn't trade with him? I think so. I think there must have been a piece of that. Not so much wow. that he was so good at his job, but so much that he got the the better end. So 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 much clearly of the better end of some of these deals that it kind of just... I mean, you got to get, you got to have your suspicions on somebody if they keep getting the better end of the deal somehow. I mean, that's just such a weird way to look at it. <laughs> like, he's so good at his job that he ended up being bad at it at the end. Yeah. Because everyone else was always wary of how he's going to screw him. I can see that, though. Mm-hmm. So, because, uh, like, I used to play Settlers of Catan a lot yeah, with my sort friends of like in college. That. And I I would win a lot of the games. So they started targeting me early. Like, even when I wasn't winning, they'd be like, oh, Sean's going to win. I'd be like, guys, I have, like, not gotten a single point since this game started. You're way ahead of me. But they'd still target me because they knew that I, in a vacuum, I was the best player. <laughs> Maybe it is something like that where everyone was like, don't trade with Danny Ainge because he's just going to end up winning. Yeah, or he's going to end up just I, screwing you over or somehow yeah, getting the better end right. of the deal. Not so <laughs> yeah, much. I the- weirdly see that. I, I can see <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, so much of his job is reliant on working and making deals. But if you're consistently somehow always ending up on the better side of the deal, I don't know. I'd be a little bit weary of working with him. And maybe that's why it was hard to make any deals right here. at The trade deadline, which I think was pretty much like, I think his last real big hurrah was to do something to turn this Celtic season around, whether it's getting Vucevic or Aaron Gordon, which seemed like the two mm-hmm. obvious ones and striking out on both of them. I mean, even yeah. Andre Drummond for a while seemed like it made sense, at least as like a plan C, and not, that didn't happen either. Nope. And obviously the big names throughout the couple of last years is Kawhi Leonard, uh, James Harden, Anthony Davis, names that we thought were at least got, he would be in the running for, and it seemed like there never really was a real deal on the t- table for the Celtics to make. Right, yeah, and don't forget wasting that trade exception this year on Evan Fournier yes. when it was all said and done. The trade exception, <laughs> so much hype around that trade exception, and I mean yep, twenty-seven million trade exception. Exactly. The other two bad ones, of course, is you you just lose Kyrie Irving for nothing. Uh, somehow yep. you get one of the best point guards in the league, if not the best point guard at that. Well, no, second best is Curry. Um, at that mm-hmm. time. And that time, yeah. and he just you just he just walks away for nothing. In fact, he he somehow walks away unhappy with his experience. <laughs> Gordon Hayward, the things that happened to Gordon Hayward was a little unfair to Danny Ainge. He got hurt. Uh, I think he kind of yeah. didn't like his experience there. So you lose him. Um, so it's it was just a tough run, I think, towards the towards the end here for Danny Ainge's time. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, though, he's mm-hmm. he's a great GM. Yeah. I mean, he won a championship, two finals appearances, five Eastern Conference finals, and 15 total playoff appearances in 18 years while he was the president of basketball operations. Is That's a very impressive resume. 15 out of 18 years in the playoffs. I think the only team that could really go toe-to-toe with that is the San Antonio Spurs. Right. They've made it every year except for the last two. But... Yeah, I mean, the faults for Tatum one was amazing. Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie is amazing. But yeah, all the moves since that faults for Tatum have really not worked out at Mm -hmm. all. 
Like, I mean, you didn't even mention putting Kemba Walker on a max contract to replace Kyrie Irving just because you knew you lost Kyrie, so you had to replace him with something, and that was what was on the market. I mean, Kemba's a great player, but it's just that injury history just has never really been in his favor. And then, yeah, the Evan Fournier stuff, and, I mean, you sign Tristan Thompson to your mid-level exception, and you trade away Daniel Tice for nothing. Right. and, And it's like... What, yeah, what, you're left with a bunch of just nothings on your bench. Like they used to have a bench full of guys with a lot of potential. Now you have a bunch of guys that no one really cares about. Um, so they have no. At the end of the day, they have very little of their big trade bounties and draft picks that they were able to acquire over the years. They don't have a deep, talented bench like they used to have, and you are basically left with just Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on this team. Everyone else you're trying to get rid of. So it, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a long winding road ahead for, for Brad Stevens to take over and figure this out. Yeah, that's that's the, I think that ended up really being the punch in the gut a little bit is, I think, yes, 75%, I think, of Danny Ainge's time was great. And I think that last 25% was has been just really rough. But hey, I mean, if there's anything worth it, it's like you got to, Two big dollar bills and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for sure. But to build this team and fill that, fill those two guys up with, with enough talent to compete and compete for a championship, it's going to be fairly tough just seeing those young pieces you have. I'm not really sure there's much really there. Um, I don't know. You just never know. Maybe some of them do develop, but Williams, uh, Marcus Smart, uh, I don't even know some of these Pritchard that you have off the bench. Like, yeah, Peyton Pritchard. I don't like any of these guys. I don't know. They all seem pretty expendable. Yeah. I'll say I, I like Robert Williams. I like. I, I think that guy can be a very good rim protector. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's not a scorer. Like, no. you, you need that third option. That's going to be tough to get with Kemba. They got to get rid of Kemba Walker. Yeah, I think that's a that's a set in stone. I bet I'm. I think Brad Stevens just maybe. Takes a hit there and just somehow swaps Marcus Smart and Kemba Walker for something uh, just to get unload that contract. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting moves that happen mm-hmm. for the Celtics this offseason. Because, I mean, you got, you got a fresh president of basketball operations. He probably has his own idea for what he wants the team to be. It's a lot easier for you to come in and make moves that are pretty drastic. It would, it would be drastic for a GM that's been in the seat for a number of years, but... I think that they expect him to make some pretty big moves this offseason. It should be it should be pretty interesting. Yeah, this is my this is what I think they should do. Trade Marcus Smart, Kemba Walker, maybe pair him up with some some of those young pieces you have. Sign a bunch of good for nothing <laughs> vets that are on the verge of not <laughs> really doing <laughs> I don't want to say good for nothing vets, but sign a bunch of Great random plan. pieces. Uh, rest Jason Tatum, rest Jalen Brown, oh, and go man, out there and win the twenty games. <laughs> go out there and win twenty. Trying. Yep, you cannot take. You this have, is you, this is the only way to do gonna, it. That's not allowed. The <laughs> NBA would not allow that for one. <laughs> this is and the two, only really way to do tell it. Tell Jason Tatum to be like, take a seat, bro. Screw your All Star appearance. Screw your All NBA team chances. You're just not gonna play. 
Yeah, something like that. You're, you're legitimately <laughs> saying that Jason Tatum would do that? Or come on, maybe maybe not that far. But Jalen Brown, do you need surgery? Get surgery. You Have another surgery, surgery. <laughs> Jason Tatum. We're handing out surgeries. Let's throw Jason Tatum out there and make him 2006 Kobe score 35 oh, points man. or whatever you want. But you're you're not winning more than 30 games. <laughs> you're not winning more than 30 oh, games. Oh man, we're going They're to the lottery. They're going to take on all the worst expiring deals around the league. Exactly. That's and exactly what they're going to do. Put them with Jason Tatum. Give Jalen Brown surgery. Yep. And then that's it. That's, that's, that's it. the formula. <laughs> that's the formula. Get rid of <laughs> Trey Kemble Walker, Marcus Smart. Get some good picks. Yep. Uh, Jalen Brown, get recovered. And Jason Tatum, get go out there and average 35 points. But we're gonna put a terrible team behind you. You're not gonna win. <laughs> that's the that's what Boston should do next year. I am yeah, all for Luke, it. Hire Luke Walton as your coach too. That you're guaranteed to lose if you do that. Yeah, exactly. I don't know who who are some of the vets you could get. Dwayne Dedman, sign Dwayne Dedman. Give him get, get him in the NBA for another year. Austin Rivers. Give give, give Austin Rivers, <laughs> New Orleans Noel. Give him a fat contract. Yes. <laughs> who else? Who else are some of these guys that just oh. gets past? Jeff Green, get Jeff Green on the board. Jeff Green, <laughs> no, Jeff Green's only allowed to get minimum deals. His agent won't allow it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, give him his. Finally, just give him his one year big payday and get him on the team. Oh, dude, Jabari Parker. Jabari Parker, there's a name. Sign him up. Sign him up for another year. Yeah, that, that's that's my plan for the Boston Celtics and oh, their road man. to recovery. Oh man, I hope that happens because that would be the most interesting timeline. I just don't see it happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But we got to dive in now into the round one matchups yep, that have been good. happening. We got to start with this first one. The yeah, Valley Massacre. <laughs> the Valley Massacre in oh. Phoenix. The Suns going up 3-2 against the Lakers and giving them a whooping. One of the biggest ass-kicking performances oh. in playoff history oh, go beating man. putting the lakers down by 30 points to take that 3-2 lead in phoenix i mean the question is is there any sign of life left after that spiritual defeat <laughs> this this is crazy i mean going into it i don't know i mean we hoped that the lakers would win but at the very least we knew they were they should fight there it was going to be a, a bulldog fight for the lakers if they wanted to hang in this game and I think it started with that at the beginning. The Lakers take a 10, 10 to 3 lead to start the game. And then since after that point, it was all Phoenix. And the Lakers win with something interesting. Markeith Morris starting over Harrell or Kuzma. Marcus Saul starting at center. And it was just bad, man. After that 10 yeah. 3, Suns tied it up. And then we went to a, there was a point where the Lakers didn't score a single point for eight minutes, no free throws, no field goals made between the first and the second. And in the second quarter, the Lakers only managed to make two field goals. They went 10 for 30. They were outscored 10 for against 32, 11% shooting, only two field goals. So the other, the other bulk of those points of those 10 points came from the free throw line. Absolutely no fight. In the second quarter, the Lakers only had 17 field goal attempts. The Suns 24. Uh, at the half, the Suns had 10 more field goal attempts than the Lakers. Schroeder 0 for 5. Zero turnovers. Um, LeBron 3 for 10. 
uh, to end the first half. And I mean, that's the story there. It's, it's not even the miss. It's part of it is the miss shots, but the other part of it was just no fight, not even shooting the ball. We weren't even shooting the ball. We were turning it over or, or just taking bad shots or just getting shut down. There's 24 clock violations and getting shut down by the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns. It was a ridiculous showing. I don't even know. There's no X's and O's true things to break down here other than other than Frank Vogel tried his absolute best, I guess. At one point, we it was mm-hmm. Marcus Morris, LeBron at center, Wesley Matthews, Ben McLemore, Taylor Horton, <laughs> Tucker. Taylor. Anybody who could do nothing more but score the ball was out there, and it was horrible, horrible yeah. showing. I mean, I guess when you're down by that much, you, you might as well experiment with a random lineup that you haven't tried yet and see what happens. Yeah. I mean, it didn't work, but I mean, it's not like it was going to matter at the end of the day. Yeah. So I, I guess I get it from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, this this game was just a complete lost cause after that second quarter beatdown. I mean, Schroeder was 0 for 5 in the first half, but he was 0 for 4 in the second. Mm-hmm. It didn't get any better for him. This is embarrassing, man. This is a guy that turned down a four-year, $84 million extension. Yep. Let's never forget that. There is no way in hell this guy gets anything close to that after the performances that he's been putting up in the playoffs. And he's had a few good games, sure, but there's no consistency there at all for Schroeder. And for for this to happen, when Anthony Davis goes out and it's like, okay, Schroeder, you are the number two option now. Mm-hmm. You have to step up. And he was nowhere to be found. No. It's absolutely embarrassing. Like, how how can you expect to get any meaningful contract in the NBA when this is what you're capable of doing? You, you proved in this game that you're no better than the sixth man. Yeah, I mean, J.R. Smith, for all his blunders, never did this as a number two yeah. with, with LeBron at the in yeah, some of right. those games when Kevin Love was a out. Single point, yeah, a single point. I mean, it to me, it's the yeah, that's that's bad. But what takes it to you know, that's an F plus, right? Like oh for five, I'll give you an yeah, F plus. Sure. But the F minus is it's only five shot attempts. Like why you're the number two option, like. If LeBron has 10 shot attempts, you got to also have like eight or nine or just be right there or have more than him, yeah. frankly, since LeBron is Le- Le- yeah. primary ball handler. Like, shoot shoot for the moon and go down swinging, but to not even go down that way is bad. And Marcus Gasol, no shot attempts in the in the entire first half, which is... I mean, uh, he doesn't really shoot that much to begin with. Right, know? but when nothing's happening, like, why? why everybody was just across the board was so hesitant to shoot to... And it was such a good start. Kuzma was aggressive when he was in, but mm-hmm. that was just a short fuse that withered away pretty quickly. Um, I mean, KCP tried tried his hardest, I think, to play this game, only played a couple minutes, and then eventually had to leave. Yeah. Davis tried to play, could not even move laterally. There was no shot he was playing this game. No. I mean, Andre Drummond is just like, could have potentially been a number two option, I think, or a number three, but... Man, the dude just cannot defend Devin Booker in the pick and roll. Like it's <laughs> no Devin way. Booker was just lighting up the Lakers in the first quarter, which is fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you expect to go for for a guy like that to show up, and you knew there was going to be a po- a moment in this game where you get punched in the face pretty hard and you go down ten or fifteen points. Then you just got to keep swinging and hope that you get yourself in position 
to win it or potentially take it, you know, at like the six minute mark in the fourth quarter, just linger close enough to where you can make a run and and be there and just hoping that something goes your way. But the Lakers, this game was over by like the eight minute mark in the second quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Honestly though. But despite all, there's one name I think that will make Lakers fans shudder for a very long time. If, if they don't end up winning this series. And that's Cam. Don't Payne. say his name. <laughs> Cameron Payne. Oh my lord! How is this guy putting up such consistently good numbers every game? I think he had what sixteen and seven in in game five on limited minutes, something like that. Yeah, he only played like nineteen minutes in this game. Th- this dude, he's he's got the Lakers figured out because mm. I don't recall seeing. I mean, he had a few good games during the regular season, but. This is just straight, consistent production as the sixth man for this Suns team, stepping up when Chris Paul is hurt. And Chris Paul, he actually did look like he hurt himself again. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see the play. Uh, you, you probably saw the play. Does that look like something that could potentially affect game six? I'm not sure. It's It's really honestly hard to make up how severe that was because the actual play itself wasn't a dirty play at all. It, Looks like Wesley Matthews barely makes contact with Chris Paul, so it's entirely hard to say what's going on with Chris Paul. I guess we'd have to just continue to see and see how he, how what he looks like in Game Six. But to that point, it's like, yeah, Chris Paul was didn't really put together anything out of this world to knock the Lakers out this bad. Devin Booker again played well, but nothing that we hadn't already seen in game one, yeah, game two. Points. Yeah. It, it's just 30 points. Like we just have not been able to shut down Devin Booker and he's a, he's a great scorer. So, I mean, it's not to be expected that we're going to hold them under 20. So, you know, it's not like they're, they were the outliers here to really give this Lakers team the beat down. The beat down just really came from the Lakers themselves. Ultimately, uh, you know, closing the game out, shooting under 30% across the board from three, from three, shooting 35% from the field. I mean, 11% oh. shooting in that second quarter alone. Like, yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the Suns, Suns, Cameron Payne and Mikkel Bridges are the only... I mean, they're shooting insanely good. Cameron Payne, 43%, and Mikkel Bridges, uh, close to 43%. But Devin Booker is at 28, 44 from the field. Chris Paul, 40%, and 28 from three. The, I mean, Aiden's Aiden's shooting the lights out. Though. Yeah, Aiden's dunking the lights out. Yeah, Aiden's <laughs> doing his thing. He's eighty percent on the on the series. Like, there's <laughs> we're not stopping him. But it's all to say that I think the Lakers still, despite this, I think do have a chance. Like, there's still this glimmer of hope that as a team, we are holding the Suns down to close to or under hundred points for for all of these games, except for this last game six. And the shooting percentages between the two teams are not that far off. So there's a chance we just got to swing and keep swinging, even if we're missing, and just make some shots, please. Oh, yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. What I don't think there's a chance of is Anthony Davis playing in Mm -hmm. Game 6 either. Right. There there was just not enough rest time. I mean, this game's happening just with one day of rest. They're playing again tomorrow. Right. So... It's it's not looking likely for him. I watched uh, YouTube. Like, there's this guy on YouTube. I can't remember his name, but he does like sports injuries, um, and he, he kind of breaks them down and how much time it usually takes for them to heal. Uh, an injury like Anthony Davis had generally for 
guys in the NBA is taking about two weeks to heal. Yeah. Um, and you, you'd think that the Lakers would try to rush that, even if it does mean a greater risk of injury for Anthony Davis. But I think that game six is still way too early for him. I mean, that's that's only coming back after like four days after aggravating it. I just don't see how it's possible that he plays. And if he does play, I feel like he's in serious danger of having a really bad groin strain tear, maybe in the adductor. Um, not what you want to do um, at the end of the season. And then you, you're basically throwing next season too. You know, LeBron's not getting any younger, right? Yeah. So you do not want to do that with your star player. So I think they're just going to have to win this one with LeBron, and I think they can do it. And I think being in Staples Center is going to be a big advantage for them. This those fans are going to be rowdy. Um, it's it, it's LeBron against the wall, right? Mm-hmm. He he performs when he's against the wall, and and honestly, it kind of felt like he was saving himself for an inevitable Game Six when he realized that they didn't have much of a chance to win Game Five. So I think that they're going to come out, they're going to compete a lot harder. Um, but I do think Vogel's got to make some lineup changes. Obviously, he experimented with Gasol, Markeith Morris for whatever reason, mm-hmm. and then and then trying to force KCP in there. Obviously, I don't think KCP is going to be able to play Game Six um, with the way he looked there. I think what he has to do, honestly, he's going to have to take put Drummond back in the starting lineup. Uh, it's still split minutes between him and Gasol, but start with Drummond, and instead of Markeith and KCP. Put in THT and Kuzma in that starting lineup, yeah, and give give yourself some firepower to start the game. And I think that's going to be the lineup that does it for you: with Schroeder, Talon Horton Tucker, or Hort- <laughs> Talon Horton Tucker, uh, Kuzma, LeBron, and Drummond. I think that's going to be your best chance um, to come out swinging and come out competing. Yeah, one more note on that. I think I agree with you there, Sean. Kuzma Kuzma actually came out firing. He was hungry. He was still not knocking them down from three. Those struggles still continue. But at the very least, he's going down swinging. THT put together that masterful, I think, four-point play. <laughs> masterful garbage time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think he gave one glimmer of hope when he got that and yeah. one. He uh, had a double-double in the game, yeah. even if it was garbage time. And so, yeah, let's let's give these guys a shot. If not Kuzma, maybe you go Wesley Matthews. Or Caruso. I don't like Wesley Matthews. I Caruso. I could I could see Caruso being in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. I'd rather they go with Talon Horton Tucker though. I think he's a better matchup for for Devin Booker. I, I and Wesley Matthews. I mean, he was zero five in the first half in that yeah. in the game game five. I just don't think he fits that well with his Lakers team. Like he puts in like a few minutes here and there, and I just think he's kind of washed up at this point. You put in the young guys, put in Caruso and put in THT and, and see what they can do. I, I don't think Matthews is good enough at this stage of his career. Yeah, possibly. Final point that I was going to make, though, here is, is there still juice left in the squeeze of LeBron James? I think so. I mean, when I lo- oh, when yeah. you look at his yeah. final stat line of this game in a vacuum, it's actually a pretty decent okay. game. It's okay. Yeah. 24 points, uh, 60% shooting from three, nine for 19 overall from the field, seven assists, only 30 minutes of play. Oh, yeah, there's st- there there was a there was a 30 point double double <laughs> in there on pretty good shooting. <laughs> if the Lakers had yep. a shot, there was no mm-hmm. shot though. But we'll see how it goes in Game Six for the Lakers. What you probably would have wanted 
is what Damian Leonard pulled together for the for the Trailblazers against the Denver Nuggets. 55 points, 12 threes, uh, three straight threes right there. Uh, to cl- and at the end of this game to send it, and also the the shot to send it to overtime. All this with only one turnover, ten assists, nine for wow. ten from the free throw line, seventy percent shooting from the field, and seventy percent from three. Twelve for seventeen <laughs> for Damian Leonard. Uh, from a true shooting percentage, when you take into account his free throw, three point, and just general field goal percentage, highest true shooting percentage in playoff history. And it was all wasted on a loss. Unfortunately, yes. That's a tough Unbelievable. one. Unbelievable. I've never seen I, I've never seen a performance like this, except for maybe Devin Booker's 70 points end in such a sad, disappointing loss. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really unreal. I I uh, man, I wish I was watching this game the whole time and not the not the Lakers Suns. And I would have, I mean, luckily I was able to switch over for the overtime periods. Um, so I missed, I missed the shot that he did to send it to the first overtime, but man, I mean, Jokic was, Jokic was dominant this game. Let's not mistake anything. It wasn't just Damian Lillard. That was amazing in, in this game. Jokic himself had 38, 12 and nine, an amazing stat line. And he was just dictating the game. And they were up by eight points in that first overtime with like, I don't know, like a minute and a half left, I think. And, and Aust, poor Austin Rivers, it gets the Damian Lillard assignment for God knows why. <laughs> like, what what are we what are we thinking, Mike Malone? Like, you're, you're honestly allowing yourself to get back to almost lose this game by putting Austin Rivers on Damian Lillard. He makes a three right in Austin Rivers' face. They go down. They they don't get a basket. Damian Lillard goes, makes another freaking three right in his face, and then they have to foul because um, th- th- there's no more shot clock. And then I think it's Monty Morris at the line. He only made one free throw. And then Damian Lillard goes, he makes some crazy step back three, and then it's tied up. At the end of, and the, he, he made up an entire eight-point deficit by himself with like a minute and a half left in the game. I um, mean, even out of three in the second overtime, but unfortunately it was just like in the middle of it and not at the end. Um, and Jokic was just unstoppable. Like they they put Cantor on him. Poor Ennis Cantor just had nothing, nothing for him. And then uh, Damian had some really good plays, playmaking that his teammates couldn't finish on. He had a one great assist to Robert Covington, who missed a dunk. Because he tried to go up way too hard, and he is not a very good dunker. And then you have him do a cross course pass to CJ McCollum, and he steps out of bounds. So at the yeah. end of the day, it's like Damian Lillard was doing everything by himself, and he had no help from his teammates. It was, it was pretty sad to watch. Yeah, what a sad way to go down. Michael Porter Jr. also hitting a big shot from the corner. Uh, to go Michael up three. Michael Porter Jr. is huge. He can- ten of thirteen shooting on the game. He. He had no fear in his in his face. He was wow. there to win a basketball game. And that was a <laughs> big shot he hit. And Portland could have easily responded. I think they had enough momentum also on their side. But, oh, Covington missing that. What was he thinking trying to tomahawk that thing? Why? Yeah, he's not a dunker. Like, yeah. just go up easy and put it in the basket, man. Like, what a, what a rookie mistake. Yeah, and then just a silly turnover. On the other side from CJ, uh, I mean, tough, tough 
tough way for Damien to just, I think the only thing you really can do is just shake it off and just accept it for what it is. And it's just an, a loss as tough as it may be to fight for oh, multiple overtimes and still lose. And Jokic putting together his masterful performance. But I think the difference there is ultimately what I think I saw at this series is that these teams are pretty close, evenly matched, but Denver just has slightly more. And I think that slightly more showed up. Monty Morris, 28 points. Austin Rivers, 18 points. Michael Porter Jr., 26 and 12, really showing up to be the show up as like the number two option here. I mean, and then like you get these little ones like Aaron Gordon, 14 and 10, and gives you solid 39 minutes of defense. Composo, only three points, but you know, still doing something. And on the other side for the Trailblazers, it just like they there was guys like off that bench you just could not leave out there for for many minutes. Anthony Simmons only getting fifteen minutes, and his cancer fourteen. Richard Hall is Jefferson nine minutes. You just there was nobody else you could really trust other than CJ and Dame both playing fifty plus minutes. Uh, Nurkic only twenty four. Well, he got fouled out too. He just can't. Jokic yeah. is just doing whatever he wants against him. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like the the Nuggets just have a little bit more umph against this Blazers team, and we saw that clearly. I think that was the little one percent that really took them over the edge to take this game. And ultimately, I hope Portland wins Game Six because I would love to see a Game Seven against these two teams. Yeah, and I think they will. Because uh, keep in mind, like this Game Five was in Denver, and they they took them double overtime to beat this Blazers team. Right. I think that Portland is is going to be able to muster a pretty great effort in game six to keep themselves alive. Um, which I think uh, the, the fans of both of these franchises and of, of the NBA deserve a game seven for this series. Cause it's too special. Right. I mean, this, this has all the air of like a Western conference finals mm-hmm. level competition. And it, it's definitely been the most entertaining series so far. I thought Hawks and Knicks was going to be early on, but I, I the Hawks, man, I, I'm stunned. We'll, we'll talk about that one later. But th- this series is is just incredible. The, yeah, but yeah, like you said, the problem is this Blazers team is only like five and a half players deep, right? And that that extra half player is Carmelo Anthony, <laughs> and, then, and then there's nobody else. Like I thought, Cantor would be able to do something. He's right. been nothing, Mm-mm. and Fernie Simons looks like he's regressed. And they're not getting nothing from Nasir Little, who has potential, I think, and that no Derek Jones Jr. to be found. Yeah. And there, there's just nothing here. It's it's five and a half players deep. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate, and you would have thought they the players that they got last year was for that reason to give them a little bit of depth and a little bit more of a punch, and and it's just not there. And it's back to the same old story that we've seen the last three years: is Damian putting together crazy performances to carry this mm-hmm. team through to the finish line. And again, one thing I was thinking about too is that this Nuggets Portland team, they've been going at each other for a couple years now. They've had multiple yep. they've had a couple a couple games that have gone multiple air, yeah, overtimes the, the before. The 2019 series, yeah. Right. It, that was that was another classic. Yeah, so if the the Blazers go down to this Nuggets team, I think you really got to be looking at the offseason and see what big options you have. Um but for Dame, I'll say the, these two points too here. Um, tied for seven more, most points in a playoff game. 
And when we're looking only at the first round, only Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley have scored more in an individual game. So Damian Leonard up there with the greats of Jordan and Barkley. He is is fantastic. He's one of the best. Yeah. It's, it's It's a thrill to watch him play. Yeah, I think that was a heck of a heck of a game, and we still got two more. So, hope crossing my fingers, we still well, get I hope two we more. Have two more, yeah, yeah, I really do. Yeah, definitely. So, moving on here, some of these other um, not not quite as intensive, I would say. Jazz taking down the Grizzlies four one. No chance really for the Grizzlies. They go down big in this elimination game. Uh, Jaw doing his thing. I mean, Dylan Brooks doing his thing. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's played well. Yeah, he, he played, hung like, in there. The Grizzlies, I'll say the Grizzlies played well this whole series. They were just outmatched at every level. Mm-hmm. Like, John Morant was special. I mean, let's, let's take that away from this series. He proved that he belongs in the playoffs. This, this guy steps up for the playoffs. He averaged 30 points a game in this series and eight assists. Those are remarkable numbers. But he was just overshadowed by Donovan Mitchell's greatness. When Donovan Mitchell came back, it was just a wrap. And then you have Gobert just dominating Jonas Valanciunas. Mm-hmm. And and all the Jazz role players were just a little better than all the Grizzlies role players. And that amounted to them just being able to, to beat them pretty handily. And granted, the two games that they played in Memphis, they fought really hard. The Grizzlies were in it for a while. Like The Utah Jazz couldn't just sit their starters at any point in the fourth quarter. They had to fight the whole game. So give the Grizzlies a lot of credit for giving this number one seed at least a challenge in the first round. Um, but this this result is not surprising. The, the, the Jazz look very good, and it's good to see Donovan Mitchell back healthy. Yeah, and I think looking forward for the Grizzlies, this starting lineup, John Morant, 21, Dylan Brooks, 25, Jonas, 28, Jaron Jackson, 21, Kyle Anderson, slightly on the older side, but not really, 27, Everybody else, DeAnthony Melton, 22, Desmond Bain, 22, Grayson Allen. This is a young team. Yeah. Nobody. Xavier Tillman's a rookie. Yeah. There's nobody here who's even closest. Still no, Brand- <laughs> Still no Brandon Clark to be seen anywhere. No Brandon Clark. Uh, no Brandon Clark. Minutes played? Seven minutes for the series, surprisingly. Seven. Not sure where what happened to this guy. seven. Yeah. <laughs> Utah Jazz, on the other hand, man, 41% shooting from three for the series, 48 on the series. They are a legitimate number one seed. And they are. They do have the number. But, I mean, I think there's, there's always been questions as to whether this team is actually a championship contender. And, man, if the Lakers go down, Clippers go down, I think Jazz is going to go to the finals. They're going to the finals probably. Man. I mean, they'll they'll make me crow if they do, because I, I remember uh, <laughs> asking you the question, is this the weakest one seed we've ever seen? I look pretty good after game one. <laughs> I look pretty silly after game five. But yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how they do in the second round. I think the 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 jury's still out. I mean, they they they've fought, faced an eight seed that has no playoff experience, and they beat them handily. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I, I I don't I think that's to be expected from a one seed of whatever caliber you are. Whoever they face in the second round, whether it be the the Mavericks or the Clippers, oh gosh, I hope it's the Clippers. <laughs> uh, that, that's going to be the real test for them. Yeah, for now, this team is rolling as usual. They're on script. Um, anyways, the Bucks crushing the Heat four zero. 
Wow. This, oh, this was unreal. <laughs> I didn't watch any of the final games of this series because every time I looked at the box score, it. it was like over. <laughs> Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. The Bucks came out to play. The Heat, we talked about it last week. They have all the pieces there outside of Victor Odalipo. But in terms of the dudes they had, they ran with last year, they're there. And things were just not working out. This series was over before it even hit. The, before the Bucks even got to their four wins, I think. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, after those three demoralizing wins. I mean, th- this is a crazy stat for me. Their average win margin, the Bucks, was 20 points, despite only winning game one by two points. In overtime. <laughs> in, in overtime, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, game one, it's like, wow, this is going to be a cool series. Like, this is going to be competitive. Nope, it's over. Mm-hmm. And it was over three days before any other series was over. So the Bucks have just been chilling, and then they'll play the Nets now on Saturday when that that series starts on Saturday. So that that's gonna be a real good one. But this was shockingly uncompetitive. I don't know what I I don't maybe the Heat were just that outmatched by the Bucks, but they just looked all out of sorts. Uh, Tyler Harrow is a role player for sure now. <laughs> Duncan Robinson, a role player for sure. Ariza and Iguodala might need to retire. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it was a sad, sad showing for this Miami Heat team, especially in Miami. Yep, they lost by seventeen points. They lost by like thirty points. That is just inexcusable. And this is all with the Bucks having lost Dante Divincenzo out of their starting lineup too. Like, I, I obviously he's not like a huge piece. He's probably like the fifth best player on this team. That's still your starter. Um, they replaced him with Pat Connaughton in Game Four, and they still won by 17 points. So I think they'll still be okay. I'm not, I'm not majorly concerned about that being a detriment to the Bucks' title chances. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they showed resiliency and they showed just sheer dominance. I mean, Drew Holiday, he he does perform better in the playoffs, and he he was a big difference in this series. Um, and Bryn Forbes. Yeah. Brent Forbes coming out, getting 15 points a game on 40% from three out of nowhere. I didn't know this guy was still heating it up. I mean, he wasn't really doing anything in the regular season. There he is. He's He was a steady contributor every game. Yeah. On the Miami Heat side, try to guess who this player is. 14 points Uh-oh. a game, 29% shooting <laughs> on the series. 26% shooting from three on the series. Is he a Laker? <laughs> he must be a Laker. Is he a Laker? Yeah. <laughs> yeah is that Dennis Schroeder? Um, well, there's only a handful of guys that could have even averaged 14 points a game for them. Um, and I, I'd be shocked if Jimmy Butler even shot any three-pointers, but I'd have to go with Jimmy Butler. It's Jimmy Butler on the series. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Gordon Drogic averaged more points than he did on the series. Like Really? Wow. This yeah, is that's embarrassing. This is just an all around bad showing. Jimmy Butler not even looking like a top thirty player. Is right there, there something else behind the scenes going on here? Because there's no way this is the same Jimmy Butler we saw in the bubble, who put up two her- heroic Herculean efforts against this Lakers squad that won the title. There's no way this is the same player. Something's wrong. Yeah. I mean, 
is it could something personally be that wrong to where you regress this much or is it it's got to be like an injury or something the only thing it's got to be something physical yeah he was just too proud to admit it but this is not the same jimmy butler that single-handedly beat the lakers two games in the finals like yeah there's no way Mm mm-hmm yeah, I I don't know what to say here, but Miami Heat, I don't know. Hopefully, they did. They don't look at themselves and regret all the trades they didn't make as a result of being so hesitant of holding back oh, Tyler Harrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they definitely regret it now. Yeah. Because like, what do you even do? What do you even do now that you're Miami? Like, obviously, you have Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Bam, and Butler, but like. What you gotta figure something else out. This roster is obviously not working. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're not that quick, and you just kind of take it and take it as a wash, the short off season or something, and then try again next yeah. year and see what happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe because they they had to play all the way through the bubble, and then they didn't get the rest. I mean, we're seeing the Lakers struggling too, right? So maybe that that's just the yeah, as a result of the shorter off season that the these two finals teams just is just not happening as it should right other side nets taking out the celtics 4-1 jason tatum somehow manages to go <laughs> allen iverson here and get one win against this juggernaut of a team i don't know how he got I'm that happy win. he got that i'm i'm happy he got that man like this was a bona fide sweep from the start yeah and he was able to put up this 50 point performance to prevent the sweep from happening but then game four oh man game four was just a bloodbath harden irving and durant combined for 105 points in this game they 20 rebounds and uh that's a typo there 25 assists 25 assists between them all in that game four just they could have probably faced the celtics just them <laughs> three by themselves and won this game it was that bad yeah oh man and, and then game five was just a it was just kemba wasn't even playing he wasn't healthy and it was just like the celtics held on for a little bit uh they were only down i think seven after three but then there's just no fight left in the fourth quarter. They they did not close the gap at all. And I think they were all just ready to, to get a fresh start. I mean, Danny Ainge out the next day. Brad Stevens in. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't really know what to say. There really was no shot here. The fact that they won one game is a huge victory. And it's yeah, time to it, move honestly, on. Yeah. It's time to move on <laughs> and to, to go to Cancun for the Celtics. For the Nets, it's, again, on script. Three stars are playing good. Teams put together. This is scary. This is scary. And it's continue on. This is going to be epic. Yeah. It's going to be the best second round series for sure. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, maybe that's going to be the Eastern Conference final. We'll see. At least the Eastern Conference equivalent compared here to this next series. Joel Embiid is out. The Sixers managed to pull the window and eliminate the Wizards 4-1. Oh man, Embiid, small meniscus tear, if that even really means anything. It's a tear, and that means I'm going to guess that at best, he's going to miss the entire next series, assuming the 76ers make it to the conference final. I got to think this is like a, at least a two-week injury. I don't. I, <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, he's right now, all they said is he's day-to-day. 
I is like what? This doesn't like, seem like a day to day injury, but I no, mean, any tear <laughs> does not sound like a day to day. The only woman person I could think of that somehow managed to come back was Ron Artest. Years ago, had a meniscus tear apparently, and he was back out there within the same series. Although he wow. did, he was not a, an integral part of that Laker team, and I think they. Yeah. I mean, I think he didn't end up doing much anyway. So. Joel Embiid, they need him at full health if there's any point in bringing him out to play. Yeah, um, this really sucks, man. This sucks so bad because this Sixers team, like if they whoever they face, Nets, Bucks, whatever, like that was gonna be an amazing series too. Mm-hmm. But now you're gonna actually have to look at this and be like, oh shoot, like can the Sixers hold out Joel Embiid and beat the Hawks? Like I don't know, I honestly don't. I mean. They even lost. They they lost one to the Wizards without Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. So you got to think the Hawks are going to be pretty competitive against an Embiidless Seventy Sixers team. This is man. The Hawks make the Eastern Conference Finals. Is that what we could be looking at right now? This is crazy, man. I don't want to see. I want to see the Seventy Sixers at full strength make that Eastern Conference Final. That's why part of me was thinking. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you're the Sixers, you force this Wizard series to seven games just for the hell of it. Maybe it's not worth the risk of a seventh game, but maybe it is. I don't know. Just for the hell just of just it. to give give yeah. your guy a more more time. Yeah. Ultimately, obviously, they, they decided <laughs> against that by winning tonight. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. How dare they win? <laughs> um, yeah, you can't risk it, right? I mean, because then you go back to Washington, game six, and then game seven. It's like, uh. Um, but yeah, I think. I mean. I really just hope that this is just the smallest tear imaginable. Like it, it's like a microscopic tear because mm-hmm. uh, I really need we the the NBA needs Embiid to come back in a week at most, right? Because otherwise, you're gonna drop a few to the Hawks. I mean, we're gonna see that series probably start playing out Sunday. Is what I imagine they'll they'll want to start. Maybe even Saturday, right? At this point, since both of them have finished their series now, uh, and then maybe you give give Embiid um, the first two or three games off and, and see where you're at, and then have to make a decision there if you're willing to risk him getting hurt again. But yeah, it, it's scary, man. I don't I don't really know if they can hold off the Hawks without playing Embiid at some point. Yeah, it's definitely going to even out the series here a little bit. You're going to really need to call on Ben Simmons to unlock a little bit more of his his scoring potential there. Tobias Harris is going to have to go play some of the best ba- playoff basketball, frankly, he's ever played. Uh, mm-hmm. And you're going to really need your your young guys and your, your bench to really step it up and put something together here because it's going to be tough to make up for a, a dude who's I'm going to guess is going to finish either second or third in MVP voting, very likely second, I think, uh, to take down a team who's red hot right now. The Atlanta Hawks just really just handing the Knicks this series like 4-1, like what looked like was going to be a very competitive series through two games. The Hawks just figured it out and switched it over to Mm -hmm. gear six. And the Knicks were still trying to figure out how to go from gear three to gear four. Um, Like everybody across the board, Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, John Collins, uh, Bogdanovic. Like, wow. They have all the weapons. And this Hawks team has really surprised me more than any team. I think every team 
I think played if they hung like the Memphis Grizzlies, they played a better version of themselves. But I didn't know this version of the Atlanta Hawks was really in them. They they really held down the New York Knicks, made tough, made life tremendously horrible for Randall and uh, and Barrett and Derrick Rose was the only decent piece that seemed out there on the offensive end. But everybody else was just firing on all cylinders, and this team looks red hot. And I'd be a little bit worried if I'm the 76ers without Joel Embiid. Mm-hmm. Man, you remember when they fired Lloyd Pierce? Yeah. This team looked like it was on the road to another lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Holy crap. What a turnaround. This this turnaround should be documented way yeah. more than I think it's getting attention for. Nate McMillan single-handedly took this team and made it a contender. Mm-hmm. Didn't change any of the pieces, just used them in the most efficient way possible, it seems. Trey Young is playing some of the best basketball that we've ever seen. I mean, he's he is playoff ready, man. Like right. this guy was des- he, he he is meant for the playoffs. He plays his best basketball right now, 29 points a game, 10 assists on the series. And Man, and Clint Capella is getting into it too. Right. I think for him, like, man, what a blessing for him to go from Houston to this team when, like, right when Houston was imploding, and he gets to compete on on a what looks to be a contending team at this point. And then talking smack to the Knicks, telling him to get ready to go on vacation before Game Five. This is that was a fun series, regardless of of how I and mean, honestly how dominant the Hawks were during it uh, winning two games in Madison Square Garden to finish them off I mean this this is a very impressive Hawks team all around and and Nate McMillan does not get enough credit and there's no way he could win coach of the year because he was only there for like half of the season as as the head coach but man this the, the way that they're playing right now he deserves so much more credit than I think that he's getting yeah, I think and there's a lot of these names that are that are like they weren't even there for like 80%, not 80%, but like a good chunk of the year or if they, even if they were there was always somebody missing. Like I'm not sure how many minutes Bogdanovic ever played with Capella or Collins or or DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, or how many like I don't think Hunter ever played any minutes with Gallinari. Like the fact that right. that Nick McMillan was able to get these pieces back all of a sudden at the same time and then figure out a rotation to put them through because that was one of the things that was the biggest criticism of this roster at the start of the season was like you got a couple redundant pieces here it felt um but somehow he's making it he's making it work and it's working really well uh, Tom Thibodeau was just could not figure out a way to get offense going from his team and how to slow down the Hawks either. We knew they're the red hot offensive team, no doubt about it, but I didn't really think they'd be able to crank out some of the defensive efforts they did against this Knicks team or just really run a strong defensive team out of the gym. Like the Knicks had no answer to slowing this team down because at the end of the day, it was. These were two teams with two different styles, but it was the Hawks style that they really imposed on the Knicks and that really gave them control of this series. A really impressive win, I think, from this team. I'm really impressed with the Hawks. Yeah, and impressive, too, that defense. Mm -hmm. I mean, they held the Knicks under 100 points multiple times, and this is a team with Trey Young. Right. touted as, like, one of the worst defenders. He's too small. He can't guard anybody, and they made it work. 
You know, like they, this is this is not a bad defensive team. It's actually a very good defensive team, and and they play Trey Young most of the game. So I mean, Nate McMillan's just figured it out, and I'm excited for the Sixers Hawks series. Although it it just it feels like a caveat, right? It's mm-hmm. like the Sixers would just completely run over them if Joel Embiid was there. Clint Capella would just get completely outmatched. But now we're looking at a pretty even series, and that's unfortunate, but it's it's gonna make for a competitive game yeah exactly and on the Knicks side i mean to finish the series the season out you know with a four seed or five seed that they got yeah four seed four seed is a huge victory i think most of us saw them finishing at very best a seven or an eight so for them to really break through that base best case scenario and finish as high as they did number one defensive rated team in all year uh, really impressive stuff, and I think they should only build from here. Julius Randle didn't had a disastrous series, eighteen points per game, twenty nine percent shooting. The team overall only shot forty percent. I think there's definitely room to make this roster better. I mean, we were talking about. I think they still have the second most cap space out of any team. The yeah. Kings being first, I think. <laughs> so oh, the Kings don't have cap space. There's they they got De'Aaron Fox oh, so, and Buddy Healed. So they might have the um, most cap space then. OKC probably has oh. the most cap space. Yeah, <laughs> I would guess one of these teams. But either way, point being, the, the Knicks have room to improve. So they they've got the chess pieces, I yeah. think. And now it's a matter they of like go after Lonzo Ball. They could go. Yeah, <laughs> make Lon get Lonzo in New York. We'll see. Um so we'll see what happens in the offseason, but kudos to you, New York. Um, next yeah, series, final one, Mavs leading the Clippers 3-2, winning just mm-hmm. an hour ago before we started recording. <sighs> Boba and starting game five for this Mavericks team. And, Secret weapon. <laughs> and Dante coming out of his neck strain injury and putting together a heck of a game here against the Clippers. Terrence, man, we talked about it at the beginning of the podcast, just – what could have been a wide open layup, he ends up passing it. That results in a turnover. Man, is there life left in this Clipper team, Sean? There's life. I mean, this is just an interesting series. I mean, uh, also kudos to the Mavs for playing Boban. <laughs> it yet took you long enough. I mean, they played him in Game Four too, but yeah, starting him alongside Porzingis was a pretty epic move, and it. I, I I loved it. I mean, obviously, I don't think it affected this outcome too much, but. Um, it was great to see Boban out there. There's life for this Clippers team still. And we've only seen teams win on the road so far this series. So it leads me to believe the Clippers have the advantage going into Dallas now. Um, but, yeah, this was just a weird one. Kawhi didn't really play super well. Paul George had a pretty good game. Um, but Kawhi just he, he had a lot of shots missed in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it was bound to happen. He was shooting the lights out in the first four games of this series. Um, I do like what I saw from the Clippers though, and that they kept fighting every time that they got down. So after three quarters, Dallas was up 12 points, I think 12 or 14 points. I thought it was over. I'm like, man, the Clippers don't usually come back from a deficit like that, but they clawed away over the course of the quarter and they only helped I think Dallas only had six points like halfway through the quarter and we had whittled the lead down to four um then we got a few turnovers obviously Paul George had like two turnovers in a row and then they get back up by 10 with like two minutes left and then again I'm like well they're up 10 with two minutes left there's no way that we can come back and then we we were able to pull within one with 40 seconds left we get the stop 
we get the drive, and then Terrence Mann just, yeah, we, we've mentioned it a few times that what could have been, <laughs> what could have been. You, so yeah, I think I think that there's plenty of life to this team though. They're they're fighting hard. Yeah, this would be an exciting game six, but this these two teams, it's an interesting series just because the Mavericks just are just getting red hot from three. If they're not red hot, then it looks like the Clippers have a decent chance of putting this team away. And it's just a matter of whether Kawhi and Paul George will impose their will as being the two best play, the best one, two punch of this series, or whether it's going to be Luca dominating as and showing himself as the best player. And Tim Hardway, Junior Porzingis, Dwight Powell, all these dudes just knocking down threes. It seems so random watching this series sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but they're all wide open, right? Yeah. Like, all these threes are wide open because we can't guard Doncic. Mm-hmm. He had 40 points and 12 assists through three quarters in this game. We're, he, he slowed down, thankfully, in the fourth to let us back into it. But holy crap, man, he was unstoppable through three quarters, making crazy shots. He's not injured anymore. No. He's able to get over that next strain, which, I mean, I'm happy to see because, I mean, I love watching Luka Doncic play. I hate when he plays against the Clippers because he always torches us. <laughs> um, but it it's going to make for a very tough game six for the Clippers, and, and Doncic looks really good. Uh, Porzingis is just uh, – how is this guy so bad right now? <laughs> I thought this guy was good at basketball. But he's not a factor in this series at all. I mean, sure, he made that one clutch three with two minutes left to go. But other than that, I didn't really see him do much of anything of relevance. He's just a better role player, not anywhere close to... (laughs) A very highly paid role player at that. I mean, yeah, I think this team is doing what it's doing simply off the back of Duke Luka because... I I, I thought the I mean I would have thought a month ago if this these two teams matched up the Clippers were, would win four uh, one, so the fact yeah. that it's three two is just cra- like Lucas just been seems like he just sandbagged the entire regular season, and now decided <laughs> to play as like one of I think after that Damian performance Lucas now the second best player in the playoffs but mm-hmm. still like he looked like he was the best player in the playoffs from for most of those games. Um, this leads me to think he just sandbagged the whole regular season, didn't he? I know. He's just waiting. He's just waiting and hoping that he got his revenge on the Clippers. He's almost got there, but I, I do think that this is going to be a seven-game series. Uh, I, I think the Clippers are going to be able to pull it out, uh, but it's, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. Ultimately, um, seven games. We're going to need someone to step up. Seven games, you still have the Clippers winning this? I, I have to, man. Yeah. I have to. I can't not at this point. Fully committed. Let's go. It, this series seems so random to me. I feel like if it goes seven games, I might just have to flip a coin to make my pick. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Like this Mavs teams are in mad respect, but it, it's just tough because it, I just don't see this Mavs team having a path to the championship with just Luca. Mm-hmm. It's just Luca that can get you through a round. But it's not gonna get you through two. Like if if this team ends up running into Utah, he's he is done. Like there's no way Luke is gonna be able to torch Utah like he's torching the Clippers. But I do think the Clippers, because they have at least a little more varied of an attack between Kawhi and Paul George, could stand up to Utah. Mm-hmm. So 
I, I think Utah's really hoping Dallas wins this series. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think if they go up against Utah, it's it might be a five game series. I think against Dallas, mm-hmm. uh, against the Clippers, I think the Clippers have a bit more of a fighting chance. But regardless, yeah. these two teams have to fight it out here. Um, final thoughts to close the podcast out. Uh, I don't have any except let's bring on the second round and let's get an LA team in the second round. Let's go Lakers. <laughs> let's go Clippers. Yeah. <laughs> no, no LA teams in the final or in the second round would be pretty sad, honestly, from just like a fan perspective. Like you have to have an LA team in there, right? No California team. No, in the second round. It's been a while. We've got. We just doesn't. Just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It just doesn't. Doesn't sound good. We've gotten lucky with the Warriors, the Lakers, and the Clippers, and this might be the year. There is no West Coast in the sec- West Coast team in the second round. The closest thing we'd have is the Phoenix Suns. Oh yeah, the Phoenix Suns, <laughs> the closest thing. That's right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in. Don't forget to check us in week in and week out as we continue breaking down the playoffs. Yes, sir, have a good week, everybody.